Well, I'm glad to be here today. I feel like I haven't been here in a long time, but you might not think that. <laughs> and I do appreciate their testimony, even though I'm like, oh, Lord, i got to go follow that. Come on, I need some bad stuff to follow. Just joking. <laughs> awesome. So I'm going to try to do this message. Uh, it's probably not going to be great, but I'm not really trying to make it great. But I'm going to do the best I can with this, okay? Um, my main goal, though is for you to catch something from the Lord, because I believe the Lord has something here. So let me read these verses to you out of 1 Corinthians 18 through 23, and then I'll tell you some things. Uh, It says, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Isn't that just just amazing? As the Scriptures say, I will destroy... Destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. That's pretty serious. So where does this lead the philosopher, the scholars, the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom. Wow. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the, to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those who are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Those are some beautiful scriptures in my mind. Well, let me just give you a little bit of a background on those scriptures, just in case you don't know. If you read Acts 17, Paul went to Greece. He went to Athens. And Athens at that time was the cultural height of art, architecture, uh, philosophy, Everything that he is addressing here, that was what was going on. He had a, 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 he had a very famous message in Acts 17 at this place called Mars Hills where everybody gathered to hear the philosophers, to hear stuff. And Paul gave this famous message. And there's a, a great debate about his message because some people think it's the most beautiful message that he preached. But if you look at the results of his message... It was less than stellar on Paul's end. Now, we would just be ecstatic about a few people getting saved because a few people got saved that day. But Paul was used to, you know, big-time stuff and big-time miracles. So, and then in in chapter 18 of Acts, Paul leaves Athens and goes to Corinth. And then, so he's writing this letter to the Corinthian church Years later, after he had visited, reflecting back on what he had experienced at Athens and what he was declaring here, and this is what he was talking about. See, he was addressing the intelligence of the intelligent, the scholars, the brilliant people of the world. Not that he was not putting those things down. He was not saying those things were not amazing to have. It's amazing to be intelligent. I love intelligent people. I would like to be one. <laughs> For some reason, God to pass me over, you know. You know what I'm saying? He's not putting those down, but he's saying there's something greater and more important. And I, I think, you know, after looking at the culture of, of Greece 
the culture of Greece is very similar to the culture in the United States today in, in those terms. We're a, we're a nation full of, of, of so-called brilliant thinkers. We're a nation full of so-called Christian philosophers, uh, people who have a lot to say, and a, lot, a lot of cool-sounding things, a lot of trendy-sounding things. That's what Paul was facing. We're, we're a nation who loves the arts. We're a nation who loves architecture and all those things. Many of those things, again, those are beautiful things. Those are awesome things. But Paul was sharing something a little different. He, he was talking about getting the wisdom of God and the power of God because that's the only thing that's going to really make a difference. Are you following what? Are y'all following? Are y'all with me on this? Are you? I need some help this morning. Y'all need to be more Pentecostal. You know? <laughs> um, several years ago, uh, the Lord uh, spoke to me one day, asked me a question. You know, I just fell in my heart this question. And here was the question Are you combat ready? Are you combat ready? And the reason that resonated with me because I had uh, recently done a wedding that involved a life, you know, one of these marine lifers. He was a Marine Corps lifer, okay? And this guy, I was, I was talking to this guy, and he had some of his other Marine Corps lifers. I don't know if you've ever been around Marine Corps lifers. They're a whole different breed of human beings. Uh, it made me realize I don't want to get no fight for no Marines. I mean, you'd be stupid. If, when they, if they're calling the Marines in, you need to run. That's all I can say because they're crazy. Well, this guy said, what are you doing, Marines? He said, well, he said, I'm actually a combat engineer. Like, wow, a combat engineer. Never heard of a such. What do they do? And he began to explain it to me. He said, but the, but the tragic thing that's going on in my life right now is I have blown a disc in my back. And so, and the Marines have fixed my disc. Now they, I'm doing desk duty. He said, but here's the issue. When I'm fully recovered, if they do not deem me combat ready... I will be taken out. They will keep me out of the Marines. He said, because in the Marines, everybody has to be combat ready. Everybody. Even the clerks, even the medics, even the orderlies. Everybody has to be able to, be, to, to go into combat. He said, because this is what the Marines are about. The Marines train you, they equip you, and they're going to deploy you. They're going to put you into action. That's the whole thing. And if you can't go in action... You're out the door. And later he did go out the door. But what I felt, that's amazing. And so then, you know, after that, the Lord spoke, are you combat ready? And, uh, you know, I'm like, I don't know how to answer that question. You know, duh, you know, am I? You know, Lord, I need you to answer that question for me. And he did. A few Within weeks, the Lord answered the question for me. This is how he answered the question. There was this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay, there was this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I saw in this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I saw people that in my mind, when I looked at them, my opinion of them is they are nothing but pew warmers. Y'all know what a pew warmer is? It's a person who comes to church faithfully, most or, or somewhat le- on some level, but they ne- you, you never see them do anything. They just come to church and they sit they may give their offering. They may raise their hands. But then they go home. You never know anything about what's happening in that person's heart, really. They don't let you in. Many of them don't. 
You know what I'm saying? But what I saw when the Holy Spirit came in an onion, I saw those pew warmers get up and I saw them become armed and dangerous people. I saw them begin to move in the power of God. And I was repenting because I realized I don't know what I'm talking about. They ain't pew warmers. These people, they had been they had been trained and equipped by the Lord and they were waiting on that moment when the Holy Spirit came in power and then when that moment came, suddenly they were deployed. They were deployed. And I'll tell you this, that's what Paul's talking about right here. He's talking about when the wisdom of God comes, the power of God comes, the people of God are gonna be deployed. That's why a move of God is so important. That's why that, let me just read this one scripture. We all know it. I just love this. It's Acts 10, 38. This is Jesus. Jesus is our model. That's what Paul was trying to get at in this. The world is not our model. The intelligence, the psychological or the, uh, you know, the, the Epicurean philosophers, the Stoic philosophers, whichever, y'all know the difference. The Epicureans, everything, it's all go. Every, indulge your flesh in everything. Stoic, y'all get the word stoic. He's a very stoic person. Don't, infl- don't indulge your flesh in, <coughs> in anything. One extreme to the other. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> Mercy, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, give y'all a break. Come here and read that scripture for me, Marlon. Breath back. It says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. You see, God was with those pew warmers. And they had the Holy Spirit, but they didn't have that power. Jesus was anointed with the Spirit and the power. You're anointed with the Spirit. You got the Holy Spirit. Not all of us are walking in the power of God. God is going to bring his power. He's going to bring his power to bear on the church. And I promise you, there's people in this room who are strong in their spirit. And there's an anointing of deployment that's going to come on you. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you are going to do something. You're going to do what Jesus did. You are going to go around and you're going to do good. You're going to heal, and you're going to deliver people. You're going to set people free. That's what you're going to do, because that's what Jesus did, and he is our leader. He is our model. It's going to look a little different with everybody. Well, that's just such a beautiful thing, I thought. Uh, I was thinking about the scripture in Ephesians 3.10 where it says, The church, the church, not pastors, not famous preachers, but the church, will reveal the manifold wisdom of God to the powers and principalities in the heavenly place. The church, the body of Christ is going to rise up, okay? The body of Christ is going to rise up. The body of Christ is going to begin to be the body. They're going to begin, the literal body of Jesus, we're going to begin to do what he did and say what he said. Are y'all following this? And, you know, this is a beautiful scripture. The people, Psalm 110, verse 3, the people shall be willing in the day of his power. 
You hear that? The people will be willing. In other words, something, we have days of the Spirit. We have days of being filled and touched by the Spirit. But there's a day of the power. There are different days. Jesus was anointed with the Spirit and the power. There's, there are different times. And that time of God's power is going to get released on the people of God. And the people of God are going to rise up in that day. Okay, so it's time, it's time to sling some things off. It's time to get the dust off the hearts. It's time to get out of the philosophies of the world and out of the theological wasteland of Christianity because we have a theological wasteland out there. We really do. It's terrible. And theology is an amazing thing, but there's a wasteland of it. Are y'all good? So, you know, in the natural... In, the, in at least with the U.S. United States military, in times of war, there are no, there are men and women who get what they call battlefield promotions. Okay, in other words, what may have taken them years or months to get another into another rank, they get it immediately because we're in battle now. We need you. We need a person in this position, and you're a person who's been readied. Y'all know that, right? That's, that's important. And that's what happens when the Spirit of the Lord comes on the church. People get battlefield promotion. The pew warmers suddenly stand up, come up, and begin to do the works of the Lord in incredible ways. Arthur Burt, many of y'all know who he is. He was a spiritual father to us. Years ago, when we were young believers, this is what he said. It stuck with me. He said, you are going to be shocked at who God uses uses in the day of his power and who God doesn't use. We think certain people, special ones, now what he was saying is the common everyday believer, they're going to be they're going to rise up and you're going to be shocked at how much God uses them. You're going to be astounded at what they do. I believe that's what Paul was talking about in these scriptures here. He was talking about a people who weren't tapping into the world, but tapping in to the cross, to the message of the cross, the power of God. And that's the wisdom of God and power of God. <clears throat> it's just a beautiful thing. Um, so let me just say this. Now, I'm, like I say, this is sort of a random message. But you know what? Everybody knows me, knows me personally, knows that I'm a very random human being. Okay, I'm not a A, B, C, D, E, F, G guy. I'm like A, B, oh, let's start with H now, okay. Oh, let's, we're going to do we're going to do a series of messages of the gospels. Oh, let's start in Luke. You know, most logical human beings will start in Matthew, but not me for some reason. And I'm not really proud of that. I'm just saying I just go on with the way my brain goes. So, um, I have a point to all this, by the way. Are y'all still good? Or are y'all mad? Um, you know, let me just say this: some people. When the Holy Spirit comes in power, they think it's what Paul said. This, that's just foolishness. That's nonsense. That's what they think. That's a mistake. Don't be one of those people. Because the foolishness, foolishness of God is much greater than our foolishness. And wisdom of God is not nonsense. It may seem nonsense. Y'all, I'm going to tell you this. I feel like we've got to break some things off our thinking. We've got to make sure we have not let the world 
and the ways of the world and, the, and this diluted down Christianity influence our thinking. We cannot allow that. We cannot allow If we do, we'll begin to justify things. We will justify, 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 justify. We'll justify voting for people who agree with abortion. We'll justify it. That's insanity. That's insanity. We should never do that. We can't justify those things. That's a bad influence. That's a leaven from the world. So anyways, back to my randomness. Okay, you know, I was down in Argentina uh, <clears throat> last week at this time. And it was like the best trip. that I've been to Argentina for a long time, for many years. You know, I should be speaking the language fluently by now. <laughs> but it just is not working. <laughs> and plus, I have people down there that really love me and want to hang around with me that speak English, that's willing to talk for me. Uh, but what, it, was the be- it was my best trip ever down there. And even Jim said it was the best. Wow. You know, so, I, you know, he's outside perspective. But uh, him and Kathy are coming home Tuesday, by the way. We only did half the trip with them because we wanted to come home and be with Love Life and be at home some because we've been gone so much. But uh, th- this is something. You know, the nation of Argentina is suffering terribly uh, economically they've got a mess down there I mean it's a disaster we think we got it bad it's a disaster area down there I mean they revalued the, their, their currency and people like lost massive amounts of money you go to bed one night and you had a thousand dollars in the bank you wake up the next day you got three hundred dollars you lost seven hundred dollars of value of your money and so the country is, is suffering, but I, this is what I felt. The church, I've never experienced this in Argentina. When I first started going to Argentina years ago, it was like on the back end of a move of God. That's what I felt like I stepped into. It was like at the back end. Of, it was like the ending of the move of God, and it was, it was great. It was really an awesome. And then all that came to an end. But I felt like there that I touched an edge of the Spirit of God that's going to come into Argentina and move powerfully. I touched it. It's, I, I don't know how to explain it to you, but it wasn't in. It wasn't like the tide had come in, but it's like, I, I don't know the Lord let me for just a moment touch this edge of His Spirit down there, of what He's going to, and the people are starting down, down there, they're starting to be stirred there's something happening in the people in the churches down there. We got to go to all these different kinds of churches. I mean, every kind you could think of. Big ones, little ones, you know, cool ones, trying to be cool churches. They were awesome. Even old-style Argentine Pentecostal churches. I mean, we're talking about granddaddy's church. They were all beautiful. It was the people of God down there. There's something, God is doing something. In those people. There's something God is doing in those people. It's marvelous what he's doing. I believe the church down there is going to touch that nation. I believe the church down there, I believe God's going to... And it's not going to just be famous preachers. I mean, God will have his famous preachers just because that happens. But there are some people down there, a common people. You could already see that they are an establishing... The truth down there. They're establishing that pillar and ground of truth 
And there's neighborhoods literally being saved. Literally. It was, and, and they're just people. They're not, they're just people. But what's happening is that edge of the Spirit of God is easing in on them. And I think even Jim, I could never figure out what he was saying and was having this, it was this one church. Hey, we went to this one church, y'all. Listen, River Life on its loudest day. Marlon, I mean, back in the day when the Lord was really moving, we had this roar thing going. Some of you had been offended by it. I thought it was awesome. It was the Holy Ghost roar. Marlon kind of led it. <clears throat> he can roar. But it was loud. I mean, really loud. That church would have drowned us out easily. I mean, from the time we got there to the time we left, it was loud. I mean, really. In fact, when we got there, they were so pumped up and excited about us being there. And I, I said, Becky, I, you're preaching. I ain't preaching here. No, 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 sir. I don't know what's wrong with these people. I don't know why they're excited, like something ha- something's going to happen here, you know, and I ain't doing it. I just, I don't want to go. I want to go have fun and relax, and somebody else can get the pressure here. Of course, she wouldn't do it. <laughs> well, I'm not preaching. You know, it's a bad day when you can't get preachers to preach. Nobody wants to preach. Everybody's scared. That's the way it felt. Yeah, because... Well, I didn't want to let them down because I think, I don't do, I just be, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to do me. I can't do y'all. And if y'all were all jacked up, and I ain't, I'm just going to be my unjacked up self, and I'm sorry. Because I don't do jack up unless God, unless God jacks me up. And if God jacks you up, you need to get up there. And he'll jack you up. Anyways. Okay. Well. <laughs> the country's suffering, but the people are being stirred. But let me apply something to you. Let me warn you about two, one thing. Years ago, I went to China. I've been to China a lot of times, too. It's different every time. I went and I came back this particular time, and Marlon asked me this question. Byron, are you able to impart what you received there. I said, I don't think so. You know, some, I just, I just don't think I can. I don't think I have the grace or the ability to release anything there. Then I went another time and I came back and tried to release something I got there and I'm going to tell you, have you ever been blindsided by something, a bad news or the devil? You know, in football, that's a big deal. They have this, I think it's the, if you're a right-handed quarterback, they have this left tackle Okay, who's like the key guy on the offensive line. I'm giving you all a football story. The key guy on the offensive line for, for a right-handed quarterback is the left tackle because he protects the quarterback's blind side. So the quarter, because you see, a right-handed quarterback can't really see to his left very well. So he needs some big giant man to protect him. Because he can't see everything. and Because he, he's, if he's right-handed quarterback, he's going to be looking around to the right. And if he does look to the left, he'll, it'll be quick. And that's why that's such a big deal in, in professional football is you've got to have that. There was even a movie called Blindsided years ago. And that guy actually played for the Panthers. But he wasn't that good for Cam. <laughs> well, the devil will blindside you. Okay? He'll blindside you. That's why Paul said, be aware of his schemes. 
You know, the devil's defeated. He was defeated at the cross. He's disarmed at the cross. But I'm going to tell you right now, he can blindside you, knock you silly. You know, so that's one thing we always have to be careful about when we start dealing with the wisdom and power of God. Okay? Is God has given everybody in this room a shield of faith. That's your, that's your left tackle is your shield of faith. That's what's going to protect you. And Well, I didn't, I didn't do well that time. I got blindsided by the devil pretty bad. It threw me for a loop for a while. I'm praying that God won't do that, or the God. I'm praying that I'll be more alert, and I'm praying that you're going to be more alert in the days to come when God begins to move and begins to come on his people, that you will have your faith in a position not to be blindsided, and that you'll be connected with people that will help you not to be blindsided. Amen? That was just a little free thing. But I wanted to focus on this one thing. This is the real message. I'm six minutes to 12. Give me six minutes to share this. I want to talk about this one thing here. Since Verse 21. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used, listen to this, our foolish preaching, our foolish preaching to save those who believe. And so what he's saying there, this is really important for everybody in this room, one of the ways that we come to know God is through foolish preaching. Now, that's just really one of the keys for all of us is, is to, to have foolish preaching, to sit under foolish preaching, to hear foolish preaching. John Wimber, a famous preacher from, from the past, started the whole vineyard movement, said everybody is, everybody is somebody's fool. Everybody is somebody's fool. Whose fool are you? Whose fool are you? Everybody's somebody's fool. Are you a fool for Christ? Or are you a fool for the world? That's what he was saying or some other thing. So I wanted to talk to you just a minute about being a preacher. Okay? Uh <clears throat> Because he says here that the preaching, the preaching of the Word of God, under the, you know, when there's, there's an anointed preacher, it releases the wisdom and power of God. Now, how many in this room need that in their life? How many need the wisdom of God in your house, your business, your children, grandchildren, whatever you're doing, everybody needs the wisdom and power of God. So we all should look at ourselves and begin to think, oh, I need to be able to do that. I need to become a preacher. Because I believe everybody in this room is called to be a preacher on some level. See, we tend to think of preachers as somebody that stands up in church on Sunday or some, some evangelist in a crusade-type setting or, or in that kind. You know, you know what I'm saying? We tend to think of, think of that like that. That's how we think when we think preacher. That's what we think. But that's really far. That's just one type of preacher. There's many types of preachers, okay? There's many types of preachers. And what we had to begin to do is see ourselves as a preacher. Because every one of us are in this room. If you're born again, you're carrying a message. You're carrying a message from heaven. You're carrying something from God that God has worked into you and did in you. 
over your lifespan as a believer, if you've only been a believer for a couple of weeks, he has worked this thing in you, and there has to be at some point a release of that. And there has to be a communication of that in some setting, in some way. It may just be in your house raising your children. But that's a powerful, powerful way to, to preach is to your children because you can change the world through your children. So... Um, let me read this. Are y'all okay? I mean, it's three. Can you give me three or four extra minutes here this morning? Let me read. Let me read this to you. This is really powerful. And the reason this is so vital to me is our experience in preaching down there was the worst experience ever in terms of being confident and being secure and going and preaching and being all prepared. It was unprepared. It was like, there's no time to prepare. Those, you just going to have to get up and speak and hope that God speaks through you and hope that you've got something in you to say. That's the way the whole week was. It was terrible on one level. It was awesome because you're like, God, if God don't show up, what are we going to do? Let's just go home. You know? but let me just read this. The word comes from the Greek word caruso, which means to proclaim to declare, to announce, or to herald a message. Are y'all getting this? It was the message proclaimed by the Curex, K-E-R-U-X. That was the the preacher. He's the preacher, the Curex, who was the official spokesman or herald of a king. Are y'all getting this? Because the Curex was was the appointed official representative of the king or government. His specific job was to announce with a clear, unquestionable voice, listen to this, the desires, dictates, orders, recent events, news, policy changes, or messages that the king or government wished to express to the people. That's that's a mouthful, isn't it? But that was literally, what when Paul was talking about preaching, and preachers, that was literally what he was talking about. He, He was taking a secular word, in a secular position and applying it to preachers. He was saying, just like these people preach the message given to them from the natural government, you and I are called to do the same thing, but from our king, Jesus. And when he said that, he was talking about there's a foolishness attached to this message. There's a rejection attached to this message, but it is the message of the king. And that's really what God wants us to do. He wants us to tap into his message. Uh, let me just tell, let me share this with you. So when we got that, you know, oh gosh, uh, are y'all good? I know I'm just out of control. Yeah. You know, about a, about a month or so before we went to Argentina, I was, I was working out. I think, oh, I got to go to Argentina in a month or maybe you can tell me some things about what I'm supposed to do in Argentina. It'd be really great. And the Holy Spirit started speaking to me right then. You know, and it was just amazing. So I wrote it down on a piece of paper. Oh, yeah, I wrote down a few things that he said to me. Here's some things like he said to me. Forgiveness. The gift of the Holy Spirit. The, uh, the true, knowing Jesus Christ. That's all it was. But it was so powerful. And, and I wrote those things down, and I wrote down a few more things. Wrote with my fingers on my keyboard, and I made me a little document that said Argentina 219. I saved it and thought, I'm good to go. I got all this. It was so much life on it. And so much, it was so fresh. And so I'm just going to be great. You know, it's going to be awesome. 
And I didn't think about it no more until the week before, and I started feeling anxious about it. And I went back and looked at the notes right before I left and thought, man, this don't seem so good to me. You know, there's just nothing here on this. What am I going to do? So I closed it again. Like, well, I'm just messed up right now. I'll wait till I get, get there. You know, I looked at it again on the airplane for about eight seconds. Like, oh, Lord, help. I got to Argentina. We get out of the plane. You know, get off out of the plane. You're talking about 26 hours of misery. You know, it literally takes 26 hours. It's miserable. You know, airplanes, cars, uh, buses, airports. Oh, Lord, it's terrible. And you're feeling terrible. And we were sick. And we are driving over to the, to the mission base. And like, Lord, what am I doing here? That's what I said. Why am I here? I was because I didn't want to be there. I felt bad. I didn't know what I was doing. Wondering why the heck God did I do this? Why did I say yes to this? What am I doing, Lord? And he gave me a verse right in my mind, right at that moment. Just let me read it to you. This is it. By God, this is Ephesians 3, 7, 8. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege, the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them. The Lord said, Byron, it is a privilege for you to be here. That's what you're doing here. You have a, this is a privilege that I have given you to go and give what you have. That's, and I thought, I'm good. I don't know what I'm going to give. I don't even know if I have anything to give, but Lord, I'm good. Listen to this. This is the other thing about the Curex. The position of the Curex was viewed to be the highest, most noble, privileged position in the kingdom. Listen, because his position gave him routine access to the king. That was afforded to only rare individuals. He was given routine. Think about of the billions of people on the earth. There's only a very small minority of human beings that can have routine access to the kings, and that's every born-again believer. Every one of us can have routine access to the king and hear him and know what's on his heart. God has granted us that. Therefore, we're all granted the, the responsibility to really release, to give what he's put into our hearts. And like Corey was saying, if you filled your heart up with a bunch of other stuff, you've got to get that out of there so you can get room for what the king is saying. Because the king's got things to say. The king, listen, y'all, y'all got stuff. Y'all are the pew warmers, okay? And I'm saying that in a very positive way right now because when the power of God comes, there's stuff that's going to come out of you that you ain't going to believe. Was, you're like, How, where'd that come from? It's going to be like you're going to be hearing it for the first time when everybody else is hearing it. That's the way the preacher went. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know I thought that. Well, you didn't. <laughs> Your spirit got that. All right. So that's what you got to do. You got to start. This is what you need to do to become real. You got to start seeing yourself that way. Listen to what Peter said, First uh, Peter four eleven. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God Himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? See, Peter expands it. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. 
then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. And that's so amazing. It's just so amazing. Let me tell you one more thing, then we'll be done. All right? Almost done. We're going to be done when you're convinced that you're a preacher. We're just going to stay here till midnight, okay? I'm going to get everybody in this room convinced you're a preacher. All right. As important as it was for the Curex to accurately understand and communicate the king's message, it listen, it was equally his responsibility, I want you all to hear this, to capture and convey the sentiment, sentiment, heart and emotion of the king on various issues. He had to capture not just the word, but he had to capture the heart behind the word. He had to get what the king really wanted to say. He had to get into the soul of the king and feel what the king felt. So when he went out and spoke to the people, he could communicate it like as if the king himself was saying it. Man, that is really powerful, y'all. Thus, the curate was expected to deliver the message with the king's emotions, demeanor, etc., to, to, in order to properly represent both the word and the heart of the king. The word and the heart of the king. So the question is, well, how do you do that? Well, y'all know how to do this. Let me read this one more verse. This is talking about the apostles. Somebody got healed. They had been paralyzed for 40 years. Guess what? The religious people who are in charge are mad. They're mad because somebody got healed, not the way they thought it should be done. And when? So they're getting the people who healed them. You think about this is insanity. Why are y'all mad? Y'all should be happy. Y'all should be gathering everybody who needs healing. You know, say, hey, y'all pray for them. Instead, they lock them up, you know, and carry on with them. And this is what it says. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could, for they could see that they were ordinary men. They were the pew warmers in the, in the eyes of the religious people. They were the people who just did nothing. They were just ordinary There's something to be said for being ordinary when it comes to God. Instead of trying to be something, it's something good to be just ordinary. Because that's what I was telling about people in that church. They don't know. We're just ordinary people. We're not some famous preachers here. And they were like just pumped up. Like, Peggy, we're we're just, I don't know what the heck's wrong with them. Maybe they're mistaken. We're just ordinary people. We're not here special. Be ordinary. They were ordinary people with no special training in the Scripture. They didn't have anything special going in their life. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They'd been with this person, and they captured his heart. They captured the essence of who he is. See, that's the thing for a preacher. It's, It's to capture that heart and feel that heart and let that heart... Get into your heart. That's why we have preaching that don't work good. You know, that's, you know, beating people. You know, or, or, you know, unsanctified preaching that's letting people off the hook instead of like, you need to, you need to, you know, face up to some things. Don't let people off the hook. God's not letting them off. So, let me just finish up and tell you this little story here about preaching. Since you're all called to be a preacher, many of you may have some difficulties about that. I've had the worst difficulties about preaching of probably any issue in my whole life. Uh, you know, when I first began this journey, in the, the preaching journey in the 80s, 
uh, we were doing this home group. And so we had people coming to the home group. And so we decided we were going to do some messages and some, some speaking in the home group. But my plan was I have these preachers that I like. They have these amazing messages. So I'm going to get the cassette player. Back in those days, it was a cassette player. Plug the cassette in. We're going to all listen to the preacher on the cassette player. That was my plan for this group. Well, the first night we did that, and I went to sleep. <laughs> Fell asleep while the guy was preaching. It was an awesome message. I think I made was real tired from work that day. I just fell asleep. And it was, I didn't, feel, I didn't feel bad about it, but I felt a little dumb about it. The people in the home group said, we don't want to hear that. We want to hear what you got to say. That's what they said. They're like, what? You want to hear what I got to say? I don't have nothing to say. But this is what the Lord spoke to me. This is what he said to me. This is in the 80s. Psalm 81, verse 10, it says, He said, For it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued from the land of Egypt. This is what he said. Open your mouth wide, and I'll fill it with good things. That's what he said to me. If you open your mouth, I'll put something in your mouth. I'm thinking, Lord, have mercy. And so that's sort of how I got started, and is just believing that God was going to give me something to say. And so I've always told preachers, young guys who want to preach, or women who, you know, is number one, you've got to have something to say. That's the first thing. You've got to have something to say. Don't just want to just preach for the sake of preaching. You need to have something really to say. You need to get something from the, from the Spirit of the Lord. Number two, you've got to do this. You can't just get a, You know, we hear about these preachers, oh, we're going to preach without notes and... Well, that's what we did down there, but I don't really want to do that. That is uncomfortable to me. I like having some notes. I like having some verses written down. You know, uh, I think it's acceptable, like if you're in special meetings and stuff like we were doing, because you're just preaching out of your belly mainly, okay? But I tell people, listen, this is what you need to do. You need to work really hard and prepare to preach, you need to get your heart prepared. You need to get your brain prepared. And work as hard as you can to craft messages for people. But here's the key. When you stand up to preach, you toss all of that away. You hear what I'm saying? You don't trust in any of that. You forget that. Because if you trust in that, you're doomed. You're, you're going to fail. What you do at that moment is you trust the Holy Spirit. You trust him to say, Lord, I have opened my mouth. Well, I've gotten myself in a position here to hear you, to feel you, to sense your heart. And I've worked as best I can to do the best I can with this. Now I'm just going to trust you to release it and to speak to people what you want to speak to them, not what I want to speak to them. Every day before I preach, I always say, Lord, my thoughts for your thoughts, my words for your words. Well, that doesn't always work, right? Obviously. <laughs> but I've never gotten over the anxiety that I feel about preaching, okay? I get up in the, on Sunday mornings and I feel like, oh, why am I doing this? I wish I didn't have to do this. I get a quarter mile down the road driving to church, just not gets in my stomach every time. A few years ago, I said to the Lord, Lord, am I ever going to get to the point in my life doing this where I feel good about what I'm doing, I feel confident about what I'm doing? And you know what he said to me? Is that what you really want? Do you want to feel good about what you're doing? Do you want to be confident about what you're doing? What he was saying to me is you need to always, 
always go in there as weakness and lean on me, as uncomfortable as that is. Now, the reason I'm telling you, I'm just telling you my bad story. Some people have different stories, but that's my story. And that's how, what God has told me. This is how you need to operate. You need to operate from a place where you're trusting me and you're dependent on me. And that's even if it's uncomfortable to you, even if it puts knots in your stomach and makes you feel fretful, you need to be able to be that way so I can do what I do through you. Now, everybody's going to be a little different on this. But what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say to you is don't let that stop you. Don't let that stop you from what God has put inside of you to be able to release the treasure that you're carrying in you. However that looks, because mine don't look like somebody else's. Everybody's look a little different. When Marlon preaches, he brings a different, he brings a different element of revelation. A different, he, can, he and I can preach on the exact same subject. It's going to be two different messages. It should be. Because he is, has his own relationship with the Lord. He's tapping into that. And so we, we, could pre, we could have everybody in this room preach on the Father's love. And we'd have all these different words on it because everybody's bringing something a little different. And, that's, and we need that. We need that, that manifold view because not, not any one person has even an inkling of this. Are y'all good? So here's the question. It's time to quit. Who really wants to be a preacher in this room? I'm serious. If you want to be a preacher, I would like for you to come up here right now, stand up here in front. Because I'm going to anoint you with oil. Yep. Because God, God wants to deploy his people. God wants to deploy his people. God wants to bring this thing called, God really wants to release, I believe, oh Lord, he wants to release the power of God and the wisdom of God on the people of God. And he's looking for people who will be willing to be deployed I mean deployed, combat ready. When the call comes, pack up, it's time to go preach. Whatever that looks like for you, however that feels for you, God wants to do that. I'm convinced he does. I won't, And I pray this morning. I pray this morning. Yeah. Yes. Yay. Yeah. Lots of preachers. Lots of preachers. Yeah. See, people who didn't come up here, they're saying they don't want to. They're not being truthful. Because they have the same Christ that everybody in this room has. And when the Holy Spirit comes on them, they're going to be one of the first ones that jump up. Ah, there you go. Because the Spirit of God is going to be on them. And they're going to get up and start doing some stuff. Yeah. Won't y'all boys help me here? Marlon and Louise already preached. They need to go anoint people. Yeah. Let's just release this. Father, we thank you today for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we're looking for some preachers in this room that can preach the paint off the walls. And we're looking for some preachers in this room who may say it in a little way, in a slight way, but it'll move heaven's heart and it will change the atmosphere on earth, Lord. Lord, we're looking for people who are willing to be the Marines in the kingdom, who are willing to be trained, equipped, and deployed, Lord. 
We're looking for the power of God to come down on the people of God. And our day would come where we could rise up and begin to shake hell and move and move things. Move things. God wants to move some stuff. And God is looking for people who are willing to be those earth shakers. And I believe there's people in this room who will shake the earth. So, Lord, we just release that anointing. Go ahead, Marlon, and, and uh, y'all get going here. This is really special oil here, by the way, that you're getting anointed with. You definitely want to get this oil on it because it's special. It's, it's, it's miracle oil. Lord, we just release that. Just go by and touch each person. Lord, we just anoint them in the name of Jesus. We anoint them with the with the spirit and power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit and power. That's what you need. The young people, they need the spirit and power. Lord, we anoint them. Yeah, Lord, just anoint Corey. Spirit and power. Spirit and power. Spirit and power. Spirit and power. Let the, let the beautiful, beautiful preachers, the Bible says something like this. Uh, Blessed are the beautiful feet that bring the gospel. God considers our feet beautiful. Have you ever thought about that scripture, beautiful feet? I mean, unless you have some kind of foot fetish, you're probably not going to think feet are beautiful, right? But God thinks your feet are beautiful because you carry a message from heaven. Just release that, Lord. Release it. Release it in Jesus' name. Yeah. Yeah. The power. Thank you.